And as we begin, I've got to confess, I've got to tell you about a little problem at our house. And it, it, it happens every week. Every week, almost without fail. Like, somebody comes by and takes stuff. And you might say to yourself, well, Pastor Hagen, that's because you've got a couple little kids who like to leave their, their toys everywhere. Um, maybe that you should talk to them about that. But that's not it. It's like every week without fail, something disappears from, from our house, from outside of our house. And sure enough, like every Thursday morning, um, <laughs> I hear the truck go one way, and I got to go running out before he comes back the other way, and, and I wheel this, this large container out, and he takes it. <laughs> and sure enough, I mean, it's stuff I didn't really want. I mean, who wants um, used diapers and paper and other such trash? And that's the way Paul talks about, about everything that he used to have his confidence in. All these things I consider as, as rubbish. The word is a little bit more explicit than that. But you get the point. All these things I consider as rubbish in comparison to knowing Jesus and him crucified. Not finding in myself a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but rather righteousness that comes through faith. His righteousness. And Paul says, in comparison to that, that perfect and complete and objective attitude of God, God's ongoing attitude toward people for the sake of his son, in comparison to that, everything else is like that garbage can that you wheel out to the street and the contents thereof. Everything? You think about that. And we'll come around to that again in a minute. But everything? My accomplishments, my accolades, my reputation, my GPA, my, my degrees and awards? Rubbish? The way that people think of me, the blessings that I have in this life, the, the possessions that I've accu accumulated or invested or shared. Rubbish? And Jesus addresses that very directly in our gospel lesson. Paul kind of sets it up for us, and Jesus directs it very directly, or addresses it very directly in our gospel lesson when he talks to these, these Jewish leaders, these experts, these Pharisees who thought that they knew better. They thought that they knew better, and so they, they say, well, <laughs> God has placed us here in this position in, in his church and among his people. And they just outright rejected Jesus. God had sent his word to them again and again, and God's people had rejected it. And in their sinful stupidity, when the son came, they thought to themselves, well, if we just get rid of him, then the inheritance will be ours. It's the exact same attitude that we saw last week in the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the two lost sons, or the parable of the loving father. That both sons didn't really care about a relationship with that father. They just wanted the father's stuff. 
And the one son thought that he deserved it simply because of who he was. The other son thought he worked his way into earning it. And then this week, Jesus tells another parable, another pointed story with a point of the law that he is driving at. He's talking about the Jewish people in particular. And God had warned them again and again. And they reject Jesus. Jesus tells this parable on Tuesday, and it's only going to be about two and a half days later when he's nailed to a cross. In that rejection, he is thrown out of the city, out of the vineyard, so to speak, and nailed to a cross because they didn't want what he had to offer. They didn't want what he was giving, which was the forgiveness of sins. But it wouldn't be their doing. And that was the rub. That they could claim no part in it. And we hear Jesus address them And we hear Jesus tell this parable, this earthly story, with a very pointed point of the law against these Pharisees. And the Pharisees certainly caught it. They certainly understood what Jesus was doing and saying. And they said, you know what? We really don't need you around anymore because we're going to figure it out for ourselves. And in their outright rejection, they end up crucifying him. And man, I got to tell you this, you know, thank God I'm not like that. Or maybe not. You and I sitting here today, we might not think of this man on the cross and the man pictured, the same man pictured behind me in the resurrection window. We might not think of just outright rejecting him and saying, you know what, I don't need it. (laughs) Take it somewhere else. But inwardly, our sinful flesh, what we sometimes call the old Adam, that sinful flesh still hates the idea of a gospel message. A message that says that God did it all because God had to do it all, and we have not earned or deserved it, and yet he has given us everything. And even though, even though we don't have the attitude of the Pharisees and the experts in the law, that is this, this outright rejection, throwing Jesus out of the vineyard and saying, we gotta find a way to get rid of this guy, that sinful flesh, that old Adam, still likes to creep in the back door. And that's what Paul highlights for us. You know, I'm glad that Jesus came because sinful people needed him. But, you know, I've got my life together. I've got my life together, and I've got some accomplishments, and I've, it's not my fault that, that they fell into, into that particular sin, and it's a pretty bad one. But as for me, well, you know, I did pretty well in school and um, came from a good family and I've maintained a good reputation and and I've ordered my life pretty well and um, so on and so forth. You can fill in the blank. And even the, the good things in life, the blessings in life, they also try to push Jesus off to the side just a little bit. Because idolatry isn't just loving the wrong thing. Idolatry is loving good things poorly. Not just loving the wrong thing, as though that thing, that status, that reputation, that accomplishment would take the place of Jesus in my heart. 
but it's also at least giving lip service and wanting <laughs> to say I treasure Jesus above all, but then also loving good things poorly. I love Jesus above all, but my kids really need this opportunity, and it always falls at, at 10 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. Loving good things poorly. I want to make sure that, that the children grow up well, and so I need to provide absolutely everything so that they can go on to get into a good school and go on to get a good job and go on to, to have a life that I can be proud of. Loving good things poorly. That we recognize that God has given us people in our lives, maybe, maybe a spouse or other family members, maybe other good friends, but loving them poorly, not seeing them as opportunities to, and blessings from God and opportunities to exercise our faith to say, you know, thank you, Lord, for bringing this person into my life. But loving them poorly as though turning it around and saying that this person is here simply to feed my needs and my wants and what I want right now. And so Paul addresses this in vivid terminology. He says, if at any point any of those ideas, any of those blessings, any of those accomplishments and accolades and awards, if at any point those form any basis for your idea of who you are or your idea of where you stand with God, then take it out on Thursday morning. Or more precisely, I suppose. Take it here. I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I confess that, that even though, even though I confess that God created me and all that exists, that he gave me my body and soul, eyes and ears and all my members, my mind and all my abilities, even though that is the case, I recognize that God gave me all those things. But <laughs> this old Adam, this sinful flesh, wants to take so much pride in what I have. And make so many comparisons to what I have that others don't. Or what I don't have to deal with that others do. And to say that I can take comfort in that. That, you know, pretty good. But Jesus came for sinners and he'll polish me up a little bit. And to all that, Jesus says rubbish. And you might think to yourself, well, um, after three minutes of introspection here, I've got quite the list. <laughs> but often these things kind of come out in, in our emotions. Um, like if you think about the things that you get frustrated about, or the things that you express disappointment about, or maybe the things that just kind of ruin your day or send you for a loop. If you follow that, you might see the blessing that you've begun to love poorly. But that's not the point. The point is that we recognize Jesus came to diagnose the outright rejection of the Pharisees as well as that hidden inward rejection that is still there. That Jesus came for sinners. That's you and me. And that Jesus came to, to wash it all away, completely. And the opinions of the experts don't matter. 
the opinions of the experts. You've got it all over the, the self-help books and podcasts. If you just do these three things, you can win the morning. And if you just do those five things, then you can, um, then you can address your own guilt. The opinion of the experts. Hearing your sin and saying, well, go do this, this, and this. And then God will have mercy on you. And Jesus washes all that to the side and says, you know what? That is rubbish. Because we've got another parable here that demonstrates the prodigal love of God. The wasteful, over-the-top, extravagant love of God. Look at what he does. This vineyard, this group of people who have been entrusted with his blessings... And he sends a messenger to them, and another one, and another one. And he sends his son to them. Do you see God's love for people? That his love for people isn't, isn't some conditional, conditional phrase. If you live up to this, and if you do that, and if your heart is completely poor, pure, then, and only then, I will love you. It's not the conditional love of if you have this accomplishment and you maintain that grade point average and if you keep your name out of the the bad section of the paper, then I will love you. He sends his son for sinners. He sends his son even for those who would reject him so that you and I can be certain of our forgiveness. This overwhelming, even prodigal, extravagant love of God is foolish, according to the way the experts might think of it. They had all the opinions about how Jesus should act, and even today there are experts who would say, if you do X, Y, and Z, if you kick this habit, and if you can fill in the blank, then God will love you. And Jesus washes that aside and says, he came for sinners. He came for those who would outright reject him, as well as those who consistently struggle against the inward, old, sinful flesh. He came for people, you and me. So that because of his death and resurrection, that historical fact with spiritual reality, because of his death and resurrection, His ongoing attitude toward you and what he has said about you is forgiven. Forgiven for the outward rejection as well as the inward. Forgiven in a complete way, not saying, well, you have to do this, and if you do that, then you'll finally live up to it. But this attitude of forgiveness where Jesus Christ came for you. And so it's in that context that Paul kind of turns it around and says, you know what, all those things that that had been accomplishments and all the things that I took pride in and all the things that, that I really rejoiced in, they're still wonderful blessings from God. And God grant me the ability to love them well. But in comparison to the treasure that Jesus has won for me, the ongoing affection of God himself, the ongoing care from God himself, take it. (laughs) I don't need it. And chances are that'll happen at some point in your own life too. Maybe you have experienced that, where 
You've experienced, I mean, we talked about this in Bible class just a few minutes ago. You've ex- maybe you've experienced some sort of a loss. Maybe it's the loss of a, a loved one, somebody who is very near and dear to you. Maybe it's something like the loss of your health. And that that is an ongoing chronic condition that you'll have to deal with for the rest of your life. And to all that, God doesn't base his opinion of you based on your performance or making sure that that you measure up to the standards that the world around us would use. He bases his opinion of you on the performance of his son in your place. So that as a result, no matter your circumstance, no matter your mood, no matter what it is that you've done or left undone, you have a God who has forgiven you, who has declared you to be his own, and has said, Dear Christian, whatever the world would, would hold up as accomplishment, you've got something greater in Jesus. And whatever the world would talk down to as, as suffering and painful, You have a God who will be with you through that and turn that into a blessing. And he doesn't always tell us how, and he doesn't always tell us when, but he tells us that he does. And how do you know? Well, look at the love of our God, who sent servant after servant, who continues to call servants to preach in his churches, who most of all gave his son so that we can stand here today and recognize that our Lord, our Lord, thinks highly of you. And if there were any doubt, then taste and see that the Lord is good. If there were any doubt, receive by hand and by mouth your forgiveness again. Receive by ear and through the Spirit's work in your heart the declaration of God's ongoing attitude toward you. Not a conditional, if you do these things, then you'll work your way into God's good graces. But Jesus did all these things so that you have life with him now and forever. So yeah, it's like every Thursday, almost like clockwork, unless I remember, you know, that's the the benefit of having Wednesday services. So that when I get home in the evening, I wheel the, the cart out to the street. But Thursday morning, otherwise, one of the boys is like, hey, the garbage truck is going by. And they run to watch. And then I run to get the garbage, truck, garbage can out on time. And that garbage can is full of things that, that I don't want. And we have a life that we do want a life of blessings that God has given to us at all stages. But we have something even more. This Jesus. This Jesus who has promised that he would come to his people again. This Jesus who died to take away sin. This Jesus who promised that you have life with him forever and God's ongoing attitude toward you. He calls you his son. calls you his daughter. And says that he wants to spend time with you and says that he he cares about you and that you don't have to hold on to the accomplishments and the accolades because you've got a perfect accomplishment and a perfect accolade in him. Amen.